I'm Bethania Palma, and you're listening to the European Skeptics Podcast, The Real ESP Experience. You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 70. I'm your host, Andrej Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Pontus Böckman. See ya! Hey son, hey son! Okay. All right. No Jelena uh, tonight. What's going on? No, unfortunately, she's she's otherwise engaged. Um, Such a busy girl. Yeah. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with um, the fact that um, she works in accountants. Yeah. And uh, in the UK, it's the end of the the financial year, so it's pretty busy. Yeah, for... I know how it is. I used to be. Yeah. I mean, I'm still, you know. By trade, a financial guy, and I've, so I know mm-hmm. what I know how it is. It's it's tough. Yeah. Okay, so we just have to live with that fact, and uh, we just uh, have to do this episode without Yelena, and hoping for her to be able to attempt the next recording. So a couple of things have happened uh, since we talked. Uh, one of them is unfortunately. There is a new series of pseudo-documentaries with the title The Truth About Vaccines. Mm-hmm. I and, wonder what uh, that could be about. I wonder what angle they have. I wonder if it's a fair <laughs> and, and scientific view on the whole thing. I wonder. <laughs> you, you do, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, there is a guy behind that whole thing uh, whose name is Ty Bollinger. And according to his other website cancertruth.net it sounds a bit suspicious doesn't it does yes he has a legal disclaimer on that website because um yeah it's it was important that uh, even on the truthaboutvaccines.com website down at the bottom of the of the web page there is a statement that these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration the information on this website is not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease However, so it's very well placed. It's down at the bottom where no one will will look for it. Uh, But if there is a legal case emerging out of this uh, nonsense, then obviously they can point to it that okay we did did have this disclaimer, so we are we are we are good. Um, I only have seen the first episode, but that already pissed me off because. (laughs) Um, even I can. I'm, I'm not an expert in vaccination, uh, but even I could could point out um, a, a couple of uh, pieces of misinformation, along with the seeds of real facts. Uh, obviously, the wrapping is 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 very annoying. So I I couldn't I couldn't watch it to to till the end. So I had to switch it, turn it off. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. You know, because uh, yeah. Oh. You know, oh an- God. And- anything with the name truth in the title, if they have yeah. to point out that it is the truth, then yeah. that's a red flag already there. Actually, I do have a counterexample. Oh, really? 
What? Yeah. Do you remember the the the, the inconvenient truth? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's terrible because but, but people are not necessarily equipped with uh with the right skills to to distinguish uh between real information and falsehood. And uh this is this is how this operates. Yeah. Okay, but the the guy has uh, I just I just have to to let you guys know um um and our listeners out there that on the website cancertruth.net there is a legal disclaimer. It says, I, Ty Bollinger, am not a doctor, but... But. The, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the main information follows. Thus, I have not been formally miseducated. Oh, fuck. I am not certified <laughs> in medicine. Therefore, <laughs> wait for it. Therefore, there is no certificate or diploma disgracing the interior of my home or office and no monument to the biggest revenue-generating fraud ever perpetrated on humankind. Okay, that sounds like a fair and unbiased point of view. The only thing I can I can say to that person is fuck you. <laughs> no, I, you know... I am better in this because I'm not an expert. That's what he's saying. And that's yeah. that's so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It uh, is it is the the best example of fucked up. It, <laughs> it cannot get any more fucked up than that. Yeah. Oh, uh, terrible. Mm. And uh, in the meantime, since we started recording, I have actually received the 100th email from Ty Bollinger. Oh, because uh, yeah, I subscribed to this uh this truth about vaccines series so that i can i can watch it for free mm. and uh now i'm being bombarded with these these emails he's actually spamming my mailbox are you loving the series so far the feedback has been amazing thank you oh come on <laughs> that's what we fear that brings me to something that has become a habit of mine uh, reminding our listeners to the the fact that I still have a copy of Vexed uh, from cover up to catastrophe. So if you need that, uh, need a copy of that, I can provide you with a link. And uh, please watch it. And then please go online, uh, find the movie on iTunes or Amazon, and leave a review, preferably a bad one. Because it's terrible uh, in terms of the the, the falsehoods uh, being perpetrated there, and uh, the the whole agenda of the movie is is terrible attack against humankind in terms of generating a fear from vaccines and thus potentially causing uh, public health problems in the future. Yeah, and, so and you know. Talking about creating problems for, for, for mankind, we can only go back to our previous episode where we talked about vaccines and we see we talked about measles and vaccines and we yeah, see how, exactly. how we possibly, maybe, looking at the statistics only, uh, may be in front of a big measles epidemic in Europe. Exactly. Correlating with uh, the vaccine uh, coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the website where you can find the show notes for the last episode, uh, episode 69, where we talked about that, or Pontus talked about that, uh, that actually, you can find a link to a document uh, that was put together by UNICEF. Yeah. 
in 2013 when they expressed their concern about the growing anti-vaccination movement. So it is something to be concerned about still. Yeah, but if you need that link or if you would like to get in contact with us because you you want to give us feedback, uh, you would like to let us know about something that, that you want us to talk about, um, an event or any kind of uh, news that uh, we probably have not seen yet, please get in touch. And uh, how you can do that, um, this is this is usually, usually Jelena's turn to, to talk about that. But now she's not here, so um, I'm going to be... Uh, telling you how to contact us, which is follow us on Twitter under at espodcast underscore eu. You can uh, like us on Facebook, and if you do so, uh, please share the content that's being shared there uh, so that you can help us spread the word. Or you can uh, find our website, theesp.eu, where you can find a contact form and... Uh, also um other stuff that uh, pontus will talk about yeah for instance you can find the events in europe uh, page where you can see what's going on in europe and what is going on in europe uh, at the moment is that we're coming up to 22nd of april which is the march for science day and there are yes. over 500 cities around the world who's arranging this this march and allegedly about i've seen numbers of almost 100 uh, cities in Europe. Uh, I have uh, put in links on our our calendar to at least 40 of those, which I've found. And so this is really becoming or looking like it's becoming a huge thing. So um, look there if you want to find uh, a, a city near you, if you want to participate in any way. It's got, it seems like a big event. Yeah, and apparently uh, there are still events that are have not been included on the map that you can find on the the website for March for Science, uh, which is the the original website. Uh, and um, I can only think of that being uh, due to them. Uh, being very busy. Yeah, I, th- I, th- so, I think they can't manage. I think they didn't yeah. really even uh, expect this to yeah. be as big as it's going to be so this is yeah. great yeah so it's very obvious uh when you when you look at the map uh there's virtually nothing in eastern europe or uh, east from austria um including the map and uh i'm pretty sure that's that's not for the lack of of actual events but for 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 the lack of resources on the organizers side hmm. uh for example, there is March for Science Hungary as well happening um, that that a couple of us uh, are um, uh, trying to put together. Um, so, yeah, it, it goes pretty well. Apparently, there are more than 200 people who set their status as going and uh, about a thousand people set it as interested. So it, I, I would say that's that's a pretty good rate of uh, of expressing interest. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure there are other countries uh, that are not included. So yeah. yeah, those that you can find on our website are only the ones that Pontus could find. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like 40 or so. So that's good. And we can, of course, found, find the, the skeptics in the pub events and other things as well going on. Yeah. And uh, if you are so inclined when you're at our website that we wouldn't mind if you donate a, uh, a euro or two 
to us so you, you can mm-hmm. click on the donate button if you want yeah and that's because uh, although this is based on the absolutely voluntary work that that we put in, into it there are also expenses mm. and uh, we'd like some help with uh, covering all that yeah by the way if, if if you want to help us in any way we've already covered donations we've already covered uh letting us know about your events and news uh, there is another way that you can help us, and that is going on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review, uh, preferably a good one, <laughs> a nice one with five stars. Um, if you do that, that helps us a great deal in uh, getting the word out there. Yeah, and uh, reaching more people. Reaching more people. So, talking about reaching more people, today we're going to have an interview with someone who works for a kind of a news outlet, at least it has been developing towards that goal, that has a a fantastically large outreach, and uh, that is Snopes.com. So why don't we move on to that actual interview? On every other episode, we usually interview a person representing an organization or project, either from a certain European country or stretching across borders. Today, our guest is Bethania Palma, an American journalist of Italian origin, working at Snopes.com, the well-known website covering urban legends, internet rumors, email forwards and other stories of unknown or questionable origin. She recently visited Europe, where she wrote a three-part article for Snopes about the situation in Sweden, which had been referred to by Donald Trump as having problems like they never thought possible due to immigration. Bethania, welcome to the show. Thank you. I think most of our listeners are already aware of Snopes.com or have a vague idea of what it does. Uh, But for those um, two people who aren't... (laughs) <laughs> Could you briefly explain what, what Snopes.com is and what you do there? Uh, definitely. Uh, Snopes.com is a fact-checking uh, website. So that's that's really the essentials of what we do is uh, we'll look at uh, fake news, urban legends and myths, a lot of reader inquiries, and we'll just check out uh, and see if it's factual information uh, or to what degree it's factual. So, so how long have you been with Snopes and, and how did you join them? Um, I have been with Snopes since August 2016, um, and I was um, I was working uh, for a uh, a website that uh, you could call like kind of a uh, a politically partisan website. And I started my career as a journalist for a newspaper, a daily newspaper reporter, um, and I just kind of missed being um, a nonpartisan journalist, seeking the fact and not nothing more than that. And I was looking for sort of a return to that type of journalism. And I um, happened to know the managing editor of, of Snopes, and they happened to be looking for uh, reporters. And I was lucky enough to be uh, in the right place at the right time, and I was I was hired by them. So is it your full-time occupation right now? Yes, it is. And how many people work for Snopes? Um, about 10 or so. We have, I think, uh, five or six full-time writers, three editors, and then um, some other staff, like a photo editor and um, administrative that's that's quite remarkable. It's it's uh, it's grown a lot. It's like yeah. it's like a news agency. Uh, we'll we'll probably get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because it started out as a project uh, of, of a couple, the the Mickelsons, and it has grown, as you say, significantly since, yeah. since then. So how how has it developed over the years? And, and when did it start? How old is it? 
Well, it started, as far as I know, it started in the 90s. And uh, was like you said, it was started by David and his uh, now ex-wife, Barbara. And uh, then he basically took it over. And I would say within the last year or so, they really started um, expanding the breadth of what they do. Um, they do their, you know, we do the core of what it's always done, which is to, you know, urban legends and myths fact checking um and they also now do more news and i would say uh journalism even investigative journalism so they've they've um it's it's taken on quite a, a larger role than it has uh when it first started yeah but but it's quite uh demanding um kind of work not just because of the amount of information and news to be covered but also if you want to do fact checking properly it's a hell of a lot of work so um you mentioned that there are approximately 10 people are uh, working for snopes full time uh, do you also work with volunteers no uh we don't i think they have some occasional freelance work uh but mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we're full time staff. We have a we have a couple of people that are on contracts, but they still work more or less full time. Um, and uh, it's like you said. I mean, it, it is a very de demanding job, and it's a uh, process of what we do is very time consuming. So yeah, uh, we we don't have any volunteers with us. No. So, so it, it it's based in America, of course. But do you have an European branch, or is there any plans to? expand outside of the US? Um, that's an interesting question. We've grown to the point where they just started to look at assigning people beats. Uh, so they gave me sort of a more international uh, sort of width of what I'm going to be looking at. But uh, they're still in the process of developing and growing uh, for sure. I have a feeling that they will try, you know, to because we have gotten that question before. And I, I think that as, you know, the next few years unfold, there will be a need for that kind of thing on an international level um, from what I've seen, you know, the fake news problem that we experienced in the United States in the 2016 election is going to be an issue in upcoming European elections. Oh yeah. Um, and we get, we get a lot of uh, inquiries from readers. There's a problem that happens when um, we get a story that was originated in a country that, you know, English isn't the native language. Um, there's a translation problem a lot of times sure. and it would be very helpful i think to have somebody that speaks um the language i mean a perfect example is sweden hmm. i mean a lot of people most people in sweden speak english perfectly but part of the problem that i think we had in the united states with reporting on sweden was that there was just things that were not translated properly yeah. from mm -hmm. swedish to english yeah. oh i do have that thought about uh history and how many things might have gone wrong or must have gone wrong because of mistranslation. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure that even wars broke out because of that uh, on occasion. <laughs> pretty sure about that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I do not have the, the proof, um, to be honest. So uh, this is a very important work that Snopes.com does. And uh, there are several other organizations out there who try to do something similar. In order for us to, to get a picture of, of how it can be done, can you talk about uh, how it's funded? Uh, so, so what is the basis of this very important work uh, financially? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's actually all ad revenue and, um, <laughs> you know, our the relate the correlationship between our ads and um, and our traffic. Mm -hmm. um, there is, I mean, you know, there's always the discussion with a publication of having a subscription model. We don't have that. Um, it's totally free. 
you know, and uh, we don't have any kind of uh, nonprofit status or donations or anything like that. It's just all commercially driven. Okay, that is interesting because that, that sets a very good example to to everyone else out there who who tries to do something something of that kind. There's different models. Um, I know that there's. Um, I can't remember exactly which organization, but they're affiliated with Pointer, which is a nonprofit. Um, hmm? So there's different ways to go about it for sure. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, with the volume of, of uh, fake news and, uh, and other things on the internet, uh, how, how do you select what stories to, to work on? You know, uh, we, get a lot, we get a lot of our uh, inquiries through people mailing us, emailing us. And if people are sending us, like if we're getting, if we're seeing a pattern of people just demanding an answer to something, um, a lot of times it'll just be waves and waves of people asking us. That means something circulating out there that a lot of eyes are on. Um, so some one of us will definitely address that. A lot of it's really demand-driven. People ask us, and we respond. And, you know, in the case of the Sweden issue, I mean, it became this sort of accidental international incident, almost. <laughs> you know, because, you know, the President of the United States said something, um, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't factual. Uh, so that kind of demanded, um, that demanded an investigation. Um, so it's really just a matter of what is out there, what's circulating, um, and most of the time, what's out there and what's circulating, people are sending it back to us and asking us, what's what, how factual is this uh, this story or this bit of information that's out there? Sometimes we'll we'll just see it ourselves, and if it's enough of an issue, or if it's a uh, if it's an interesting issue, you know, we'll address it. But a lot of it is just sort of driven by our readers. So, so let's go into to the why you were in Sweden and and uh, what uh, what you were investigated at. What did you what did you find out about the truth about the hashtag last night in Sweden? What was the conclusion <laughs> of your investigation? <laughs> well, first of all, I mean Sweden is a very safe country. That was one thing that I could sort of experience just on a uh, personal level. Just being there, I felt very safe. Um, it feels like a very safe country. And then, you know, through the process of interviewing people, you know, what the situation in Sweden is, is not what people are saying it is in the United States. I think there's this problem with the people having a political agenda and wanting to report news that aligns with what their political agenda is to prove themselves right. So, you know, one of the big drivers in the last election in the United States was um, immigration. And I think that's going to be coming up a lot in European elections as well. So people have been wanting to say that Sweden had a massive uh, influx of, of uh, refugee seekers that came in 2016 and late 2016, like I think a record set a record in late 2016 uh, when 163,000 people entered the country looking for asylum. And people have, wanted to tie that to a supposed crime wave to say that if you accept asylum seekers, you're setting yourself up to have massive social problems and massive crime. Um, and I didn't find any evidence that that was the case. Uh, the people that had entered the country in 2016 haven't had a chance to be, you know, make themselves residents or even get settled or, you know, they're not the ones that are uh, involved in the, in the majority of of crime in Sweden. I mean, there is crime in Sweden like any other country, um, like any other society. Um, and it seems to be, it seems to have originated from previous um, immigration influxes where people settled into communities. They didn't integrate into society or they don't have 
a good entry point into the broader society or the economy. So they haven't really been able to succeed or be mobile economically and socially. So they've sort of, there's some communities where it's become economically depressed. And as in any country, if you have an area where you have economic depression, um, you're going to have crime. It's, it's not something that's specific to Sweden. You'll see that in my home city of Los Angeles. You'll see that in, uh, you know, Canada, Mexico. You know, it's just any, anywhere where you have pockets of poverty, you're going to have crimes of poverty. So that's kind of what I saw in Sweden. And um, how do you go about d- f- figuring that all out? So, I mean, you did say a couple of things, like it, it seems to have originated from earlier influx of, of immigrants. What are the, the, the actual facts behind that. So how, do, how, how did you find information that backs that particular statement? Especially in a country where you don't necessarily speak the native language. Well, in Sweden, most people speak um, English like remarkably well. Um, so that wasn't so much an issue. I, w- I was fortunate in that way because, um, you know, most people in Sweden speak English so well. Um, but I think the place to start anytime you're addressing an issue like crime is you have to look at who are the who are the experts and who have who has the statistics who have the numbers that we're looking for um and so i started with i actually started with um just talking to some people reaching out um before i got there you know i emailed um the police and of course i didn't know who to email when it comes to because you know the police in sweden are quite different than the police in the united states mm-hmm. um so i was able to link uh get linked with the proper person in the proper location um and and so he was able to provide some information Um, and then I was able to set up an interview with, um, I'm, I always, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but Bro, is it the National Crime Prevention um, in English? Bro, yeah, yeah, you're right. I was adding an extra syllable. <laughs> uh, no problem. So I set up an interview with them. Um, so that was one of the first things I did. Um, and I interviewed a researcher who was able to tell me from a very broad view, this is kind of what we're dealing with here. And then, you know, once you... You, good people to talk to are always reporters, and um, so I did. I, I talked to a crime reporter, a couple of crime reporters. I talked to the police because part of the uh, the story that we're getting in the states was that you know there's no go zones where the police can't go. So I, I specifically reached out to the police in, and and uh, specifically the police in Rosengard. <laughs> yeah. Um, to see if that was the case. So you know you you kind of have to look at each claim. Um, If a claim is about crime rates, then you have to find out what are the actual crime rates and who has those stati- those statistics. So in that case, it was bro. Yeah. Uh, and then, so yeah, you just kind of look at, at each claim and then you have to kind of attack it from from an angle of who knows and who knows, like who knows from a official point of view and then who knows from a personal point of view because they deal with it on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one of the problems, I believe, is that the Swedish authorities do not track or, or document in the statistics the ethnicity of, of people who have committed crimes, right? Is that right? That is true. Uh, the Bro researcher uh, told me that um, there is actual, even though they're pro- prohibited from tracking um, ethnicity of criminals and victims, they can kind of see in other ways, they can infer from other um, statistics that they have that, uh, you know, the people that are committing the bulk of the crimes are not the recent asylum seekers because they don't have the people that came in late 2016 they don't have this massive explosion in crime 
around that time. They have um, overall crime in Sweden is on a downward trend. Um, there's been some variation year to year, as there often is with crime statistics. But uh, if you look at it um, from 2005 or so, it's and you draw a line from from you know where crime was in 2005 to where it is in 2015. I think is their latest um, figures. Uh, it's a downward arc. Yeah. And, but as always with statistics, you can always dig for certain parts of the statistics to prove the message you want to convey. You can always take things out of context. That's the problem. Um, and that's what I really try to uh, be cautious of. A perfect example is if you look at a graph, um, you can always edit you can always edit your view of the graph so it looks like it's saying what you want it to say. With crime statistics, you have to look at them in a trend year to year to year. And it, it can take years to figure out what uh, you know, crime in in a country is is trending towards. I mean, yeah. uh, so you so if you're going to look at crime statistics in Sweden, if you look at it from um, I don't have the graph in front of me, but if you wanted to look at it and say that crime is going up, you could look at a two year trend. Maybe you would see you, you would see oh there has been an, an increase, but that's not the overall trend, and that's that's a that's a that's a that's a uh, dishonest um, statement. Um, the other thing is too is you have to look at the crime that that they track because Sweden Sweden tracks crime in a way that a, a lot of countries don't. I mean, they do this yearly crime survey, which we don't do in the United States. Um, so I think that 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 Sweden has actually a very comprehensive view of what crime in their in that country is doing. Um, so you have to look at it, and things that are considered very minor you can actually report that to the police and it's taken seriously and it's, it's recorded and there's a police report. Another issue that I saw was that, you know, in Sweden, they, they're looking at crime from, from when it's reported to the police. They're not, they're not looking at the closeout rates. They're not looking at uh, when people are convicted for their crime rate. They're looking at what, what are the police responding to? That's kind of, so there's a couple of things that make it look that you can look at without taking it in context and say that it's higher when it's it's not you just have to look at some specifics it's not very exciting <laughs> mm. but you know if, if you want an accurate point of view you have to look at those things mm. yeah so how do you feel about your article series now about sweden after the terror attack in in stockholm on 7th of april is do you feel that your analysis is still valid um yeah i mean that could have happened anywhere um you know i i can see why somebody might point to that and say, see, you were wrong. Uh, but it doesn't really, I don't think it really changes anything. I think, unfortunately and sadly, terrorism is something that we all are afraid of and we're all dealing with. And it can, it the nature of that kind of attack with a truck, I don't even see how you could, you, I don't see how you can really prepare or prevent that. So it could really happen anywhere. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and the person that they arrested, uh, he... He came in 2014. He's apparently an Uzbek national. Um, I don't know if they've said anything about, you know, what motivated him. Um, There's some suspicion early on that he was possibly, you know, maybe ISIS uh, inspired. But I don't know if that held. But uh, he doesn't really fit the profile of, you know, the recent asylum seeker from Syria or Afghanistan no. that came in 2016. You know, that was kind of the, the, the slice of the demographic that they were trying to blame on this supposed crime wave in Sweden. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it was really sad that that happened because I had been on that street just, you know, maybe three or four weeks ago now. Yeah. Frequently. <laughs> uh, 
so it was a very, um, you know, scary and chilling thing to see, definitely, because it really could have been anybody anywhere. So, yeah. 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 So, I haven't seen, have, have Trump commented on that at all? Is it what, what I told you so or something like that? You know, they haven't. In this country, uh, the news media and, and the president have really been preoccupied with um, the missile strike in Syria and then uh, North Korea. Uh, and the uh, the terror attack in Sweden didn't get a lot of reporting here. It did get reporting, but it didn't get a lot of play. Um, so we didn't, it didn't, I, as far as I know, I haven't heard him comment yeah, it, on it. Um, it hasn't been on Fox News yet, so that's why he didn't, doesn't know about it. <laughs> yes, apparently he's a connoisseur, <laughs> a connoisseur of Fox News. <laughs> <All right>. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So how you ended up uh, doing a report on uh, on what's going on in Sweden? So was it your choice? Uh, was it an assignment? And have you developed a certain kind of uh, special connection to the country while doing that? Or how, how did that work? Uh, yeah, there was a there is an event in Sweden. There is the, co the conference um, put on by Metro. Um, and I can't I can't pronounce it, unfortunately. Uh, but it was it was on the 13th of March. Yeah, it was actually at the at the, uh, the 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 culture house right there. Right. I think that's very close to where the truck attack happened. Yeah. It was a day celebrating the fact that you look at sources. It has this pithy name in, in Swedish that doesn't translate very well, but it it, <laughs> it was uh, created by this uh, uh, newspaper Metro that we have talked before on the show about, which uh, who has mm -hmm. this vi viral monitor thing. Uh, yeah. And, listeners to the show will will remember that we've talked about that yeah um so they had that that event and then um i offered to go because i like to travel um so i i offered to go and then in the course of us planning that happening uh that's when donald trump made that comment uh and then i realized you know a lot of the emails that we get from readers are people asking about things that supposedly happen in sweden because sweden gets a lot of it gets a lot of negative coverage uh, from from certain publications, um, so people are asking us a lot about Sweden. So I just decided that you know, since I was going to be there, I should probably check out this query that we constantly get about Sweden. Mm. Yeah, sure. So have you have you developed a certain special connection? For sure. I mean, I know people personally there, you know, um, and I I uh, I really liked being there. And then it's just, you know, obviously, like I mentioned before, I mean, it wasn't too long ago that I was walking on that street where the truck happened. Um, mm. And that was kind of a chilling um, and sad feeling. Um, but I really like Sweden. I mean, it's it's it, it was really a pleasure to be there. And, um, you know, I, I know uh, about a dozen people now <laughs> that I didn't know before because I had been there. So <laughs> for sure. Yeah, definitely. Was it you reaching out for local skeptics or how how did that encounter happen? Oh, how did that happen? Um, I don't recall. Uh, somebody, somebody introduced me. Oh, I think um, it was Yoasim um, Janssen. Yes. He yeah. he he was actually the one that I think put me in touch with you, Pontus, and then um, and that's how I. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's how I think I met the rest of of the group. Yeah. 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 Nice. Nice. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> for a listener who wasn't there, we had a very nice evening together. Uh, me and Bethania and uh, a handful of uh, local skeptics. Uh, we met at the pub here in Malmo and we had a very interesting night of discussions. So, 
when you go out and do your investigations at Snope, not just the one here in Sweden, but others, how can you be sure that you're correct when you're debunking or confirming certain stories or rumors? It's kind of like, I feel like it really comes with experience. Uh, I worked as, you know, I have a decade of experience in journalism and I worked as a daily newspaper reporter for um, five or six years. And that's where I really got the ground the groundwork in to get the skill set for what I do now. Most importantly is, A, you have to make sure you get good and credible sources. Uh, and B, if multiple people who don't know each other are, answering, are, are telling you the same thing, answering the question and they're consistent with each other, uh, you probably are right. So it's really, it's really source-driven. It's really source-driven. It's not like about what comes out of Bethania's head. It's what, when, when I ask questions, you know, what are the answers that I'm getting and who's answering them? Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say it comes from a lot of experience in journalism um, and uh, just you, you get a sense for it <laughs> as time goes on in this field. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. do you occasionally, well, does Snope occasionally get it uh, wrong? And if so, do you issue corrections or what, what do you do? Um, I think that anybody can be wrong. I mean, we're human beings. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very cautious, uh, and very, um, careful. Um, I try to, I really try to not be wrong, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, don't uh, we all? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, I'm, I think that, you know, we have had a couple instances where, um, you know, it's just a matter of the information that we had at the time maybe wasn't accurate and then we get some other information we'd basically just update i mean we're we're here to be um factually correct we're not here to be um self-righteous so if we're wrong yeah i mean our our interest is to be uh our whole reputation is based on being factual so if we get something wrong or we get a detail wrong we will fix it and uh if we have to note that there was a correction made then we'll do that so that it's transparent yeah sure can uh, do you have an example just off the top of your head I, I wrote a story about, um, I guess, a, a, an alleg a very large alligator was spotted in Florida. Um, and then I guess I was trying to be playful, and I called it a modern dinosaur. And I got some emails from people that were very adamant that it is not a modern dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I had I had to correct the the record there because uh, you know we want to be accurate, and you know I, I thought maybe it would be cute, but. Uh, people with knowledge in the field were not impressed with it, so right. I had to change it. That is the the small nuances that 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 really count when you try to be factual. Yeah, people that read Snopes uh, have that high expectation of us. Yeah. Um, so we really have to work to um, make sure that we maintain that credibility. So that's that's yeah. the core of what we do. Actually, we we trust your work so much that we actually use Snopes quite often um, when there is any kind of story that that covers something from from around Europe. And uh, we are so grateful to to have you guys out there because uh, because it's 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 a great source of uh, of information. Uh, we still try to get other sources as well on the same so story. Or you sometimes just point at a, a certain source and we check out that we use it as a point of reference, mm -hmm. uh, which is which is still a very, very useful part of it, uh, of, yeah. of your, your, all, all, all your work. Absolutely. Okay, so um, you, you did mention that um, 
you're coming from a journalism background. Is that the case for all of you uh, working for Snopes full time? So are there um, certain areas that uh, someone have an expertise on or how does that work? Well, I think most of us have a journalism background. Um, okay. We have, a, you know, we have people with certain focuses, uh, like, for example, um, we have a science writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have someone that focuses on, on uh, national uh, political news and sort of viral stories. I don't think we all have, I can't speak to my coworkers' backgrounds. I, I don't think we all have the same type of background that I have. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think I think the most of I think that most of us do come from a background in journalism. And you are all great examples of, of uh, how skepticism works. So this is probably a very good um, message to everyone out there because uh, skepticism tends still tends to hit that wall of um, being considered uh, very elitist and uh, and academic kind of thing and kind of activity which it is not if you apply certain skills of trying to get the right source and you have the right skills to write 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 a story nicely and um understandably then you can do it absolutely actually anybody can do it we're we're, we can you know we're i consider what we do to be a service to the public but i have always considered journalism to be a service to the public i don't consider it to be this elite activity i always thought that was a strange thing to say especially in newspapers i mean (laughs) we you know i used to drive up in my beat up car and other reporters would drive up in their beat up cars i'm like well where are the elites i don't see any All right. You know, one thing I always like to say is that, you know, if you read newspapers, you can condition yourself to see how a journalist vets their information mm-hmm. and you can really um, or do doesn't. it yourself. <laughs> yeah, or doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you can really do it yourself. The only drawback that you have is that journalists have sort of because of the the role that they play, you know, we have access to certain uh, we have access to like media spokespeople and people that are in place to specifically help journalists get information out to the public. And that's one thing that, you know, a member of the public might not have easy access to. But uh, if you see the way that we roll information out, you should be able to duplicate it yourself. Mm. So when you decide to, to work on a new story, how is it being allocated to a certain journalist? Do you have specialties or are you, you know, the one who volunteers for it or how does that work? Uh, yeah, right now we're kind of volunteering for certain topics. As far as specialties, we have we have sort of like we have... Um, some some beats that have been defined recently uh i don't i know that we have like i said we have a science writer uh we have um somebody that like kind of focuses on viral news we have somebody that's better at looking at images to to see if they're uh authentic or not uh i would say because of my background in the daily newspaper realm um i feel that i have um some not i have pretty good working knowledge of how governments work because that's what i covered (laughs) so I, I will a lot of times, uh, you know, volunteer for stories that have to do with, um, you know, a government issues um, and and dealing with government uh, spokespeople and the like. Um, yeah. So for now, I mean, we're we're uh, like I said, we're we're in the process of growing the organization. But for now, uh, we're all kind of volunteering for stories that we know are aligned with uh, the beats that have been carved out for us and what we know about. And I, you know, down the line, uh, it'll be interesting to see. So. 
Is there a new story that you're working on, or can't you maybe some that maybe something you can't talk about? No, I can talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, right now I'm working on a, a sort of a, a story about um, what we know so far about the Russian um, interference uh, in the 2016 election um, and the investigation. So I'm working on that right now. That's one thing I'm working on. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, it, it is definitely interesting. So it's kind of a longer term, a little bit longer term story. And then on top of that, you know, just whatever daily things come up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you have access to special sources as well? So as a journalist working for Snows.com, uh, can you gain access to something that, that ordinary people might n- not be able to? No, uh, journalists are members of the public, so we can access things through um, freedom of information laws in the United States, just like the public Mm. can. The difference being that we have, um, you know, it's our day-to-day job to get that information that works a different job and comes home to a family. Like, do they have time to do that? Probably not as much. Um, So that's, we're dedicated to doing that. Um, and uh, we also have, uh, you know, companies that fund FOIA requests. Um, it's, it's Usually it's not very expensive, but just, you know, there's always some kind of cost associated. Um, so, so in that way, I guess you could say we have not a special access just because that's what we're dedicated to doing. Mm, yeah. Um, but no, I, I, as far as, you know, I'm trying to, um, um, to do interviews with experts. I'd really like to talk to um, uh, the representative, uh, U.S. Representative Adam Schiff, because he was yeah House in some hearings, and he was he's a former prosecutor. So I, I would like to talk to him, but I haven't had any mm-hmm. success. So you know, <laughs> we have to ask, and sometimes we don't hear back and get told no, just like the public. So <laughs> yeah, a question that that interests me uh, quite a bit that if Snopes.com is in contact or even in collaboration with uh, skeptic organizations, either in the U.S. or abroad at all? Um, well, I guess um, the easy answer is that I'm in contact with you guys now. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a good start. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know um, if if the others are um, as a organization as a whole. I don't. I don't know of any. Um, mm-hmm. It's possible that the the uh, the, the founder David. Might be uh, because he's he's always uh, been into the subject, uh, yep. but I don't know that I can't I can't speak for him. I don't know. Um, but yeah, as an organization, I don't not that I know of. No. Okay. Uh, well, if there are any plans to expand to Europe, I think we can we can help you with that. Especially if you, if you need some uh, European collaborators um, on an occasional basis or something, uh, we can help you get in contact with the right people uh, from from different countries. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 really helpful. People in Sweden have been really helpful, um, just getting information, and that that would be exceedingly helpful, especially you know in countries where there's not as many English speakers. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we've already touched upon it a little bit, but what do you think Snopes will look like in the future? How do you see it developing? Just based on the trend that I see so far, they'll probably expand uh, with their staff and do more news and we call it enterprise journalism. Um, and uh, they will continue because that's their, it's the bread and butter of Snopes. They'll continue to do fact checking like they've been doing since they were founded since we were founded mm-hmm. so to wrap it uh, wrap up our interview just one question um obviously if someone wants to to follow 
everything that's going on around snobs.com you need to visit the website snobs.com so that's that's a good way to start is there anywhere apart from from that website that listeners can can uh, go to follow your work or follow follow snobs's work or yours in particular uh well i um i have a twitter feed that i use uh no i'm not the most um regular twitter user Mm-hmm. But I do uh, tweet. I do tweet a lot of my um, my stories and then other stories that I think are interesting from other publications. So you can follow me on Twitter. I'm just at Bethania Palma. You, you can definitely also follow the Snopes Twitter feed. They tweet everything we do. Um, and then mm-hmm. follow our Facebook uh, Facebook. And then we also have a Facebook group where people. Um, we have two. We actually have a public group, and then we have our official Facebook page. If you add us. If you add our Facebook um, group, you can actually post in there um, links to stories. And um, if it's something that there's a lot of interest in or if it's pretty interesting, one of us might actually pick it up and do and fact check it. Mm-hmm. So um, and you can interact with other fans and sometimes even staff there. Although I don't really I don't really talk on there just because I don't, you know, <laughs> people are usually well, people are usually, you know, having their own uh, discussions. So I don't usually get involved. But um well, I don't ever get involved, <laughs> but um, yeah, but you can definitely follow our social media. You can follow my uh, Twitter feed um, and just definitely uh, tw- Snopes.com. Every day there's a new a new batch of stories up there and fact yeah. checks. All right. Thank you very much, Bethan- Bethania. Thank um, you. Thanks for your time. It was lovely to, to talk to you. Yeah. You and as have well. you on the show. Thank you, guys. All right. Yeah, and thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, and let's be in touch in the future, right? Definitely. We definitely will. I'm sure that we definitely will. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much again. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs> and that was Bethania Palma from Snopes.com. Very interesting to, to, to talk yeah. to her. Uh, really interesting concept, the whole thing, of course. And yeah. uh, it's been around for a long time, since the 90s. They've been uh, debunking or clarifying things that have gone viral. It, it's really interesting and um, also interesting to see where they are developing at the moment going forward more as a, a real uh, news site rather than just debunking things that are uh, doing their own investigative uh, journalism, etc. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's amazing, mm. and um, I think it's a good, good and and valid example of of how it can be can actually be done, and uh, um, I believe that um, the success of Snopes is um, is something to be followed. Mm. So, yeah, um, I I know there have been a couple of criticisms here and there, but there there always is something. Uh, to to be criticized when uh, and especially with skeptics it's virtually unavoidable because <laughs> yeah. we all have our own opinions about everything and, so- <laughs> uh, yeah and it's so it should be i mean you know yeah. snopes isn't the, you know they don't own the truth in any exactly. kind of say you should you should be skeptical towards anything you know even what they yeah. say but it's yeah. a good effort for uh, of them to try to to bring some clarity and uh, into the world, yeah, yeah, and this is this is what I actually mentioned uh, during the interview. If you remember that, um, that even though we use Snopes as a source, 
uh, we tend to check out the sources they use and uh, and find find other sources that that actually substantiate the the claims that uh, that are uh, are made there so yeah it's the way to go for a skeptic i think so we've talked about mars for science we've talked about snorbs.com we've talked about a lot of things the truth about vaccines as well uh please dear listeners if you attend a march for science event we would love to hear from you we would love to hear your experience um uh, how, what's your opinion on how it was put together uh what was it like to be there um it would be great to hear from you so if you attend any of these events please let us know about it if you uh if you have a couple of minutes to spare and uh, write, up, write us about it. By the way, I think I didn't mention that we do have an, um, an email address as well. That is info at the ESP.eu. So if you want to write us an email, just drop us a couple of lines. Um, that would be very much appreciated. But that means that we are about to close the show. So thanks very much for joining me today, Pontus. Thank you. And thanks to our listeners for uh, tuning in. And until next week, goodbye. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time. But until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe. Good. On every other episode, we usually... Okay. <laughs> take one. Take two. <laughs> take one. Take two. It doesn't usually take too many takes. Broa, uh, <laughs> is it? Pontus? Uh, sorry, I, I don't really recognize that. So that's probably not right. Oops. Could you... Is it... Is it the National Crime Prevention oh, oh, um, in sorry. English? Yes, you're right. Actually, you are right. Bro. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Quite. Oh, I just bro. Didn't... Okay. Yeah. No, sorry. You were, you were almost there. It was me who didn't get it. That's not what's coming. That's not what's coming. Okay. Okay, good. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent.